It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. John! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Down! It's time for the Soonerscoop.com postgame show presented by Eskridge Lexus in Oklahoma City. Eskridge Lexus is the official travel partner of Soonerscoop.com podcasts. Now, here's your road crew, Carrie, Eddie, and Bob, wrapping up all the action and reaction from this week's game. Lexus post game podcast, just a uh, a little post 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 game podcast. Is uh, guys have all gotten back from Orlando. Uh, even Josh has made it out there and back, and uh, he'll be joining us uh, for the unofficial forty this week uh, with lots more to come from his trip to Orlando. Uh, but it's a season wrap up as much as it is a post game show. The Sooners finish the season at six and seven, not what anybody wanted. Uh, but I will say this, um, you know, I I think. We got called out by Toby Rowland, I think, uh, heard that, that for being too pessimistic heading into this game about OU's chances. Of course, you know, Toby, if you weren't on that uh, charter for OU, you know, when you had to fly southwest, you might not have been that rosy last week either. It was saying. it was all about the experience, though, wasn't it? <laughs> it was all about the experience I of getting in and out. I didn't have to mess with it. I, yeah. You had to mess with it. It was, so. it was stressful enough to uh, have to be getting out there. But, you know, I I think we walk out of uh, Thanks, Toby, by the, the way. Camping World Stadium on uh, – Sad. What was that? Thursday night, and it was fairly confident. Like I, I think that you walk out of uh, even the postgame stuff with uh, Brent Venables, and I think that there's a lot of hope for the future because they did, but they played their ass off, uh, considering all the circumstances, and kind of went toe to toe, and it just ended up being sort of the type of game that Oklahoma saw all season, in which you have a chance to win the game in the in the fourth quarter, you have a chance to uh, get off the field at moments throughout the second half, and you just weren't able to do so. So, uh, you know, within the disappointment of uh, finishing under 500 for the first time since 1998, I think there is a lot of, like, momentum that you were trying to look for. And, you know, again, I don't think a whole lot of that stuff matters because you did lose the game and you did go 6-7, and and the record kind of says what you are. But at the same time, I think that the way that – and we even kind of talked about this – on the uh, Tuesday podcast or the Wednesday podcast the day before the game. I think that there, there is a pretty good culture in place right now in Norman. And, you know, we'll see if uh, that kind of uh, comes to uh, fruition here over the next couple months as they build into uh, 2023. Yeah. And I, look, I, I will say this. I, I decided after that game or just thinking about it this week, like, you know, we bring new people in here, uh, no matter what kind of responsibilities you have at this company, I am never going to make anyone handle the Sooner Scoop account on game day other than myself. Like, 
that is just a way to lose employees is making them handle. You gotta this have a little scheme. bit of a thicker skin, is what you're saying. Well, and also I don't want someone flying off the handle and then you know pissing off an entire fan base because of the th- stupid things that get said uh, in your mentions throughout the game. I, like I don't. I think know. it is a way for a lot of people just to get out their frustrations instead of uh, you know hitting their wife during a game. <laughs> It is. It's it's like a uh, it's a it's an outlet. The dog or something like that. Like, because unfortunately, I feel like you know uh, there I might be other things. I don't want to know. It, um, no, but like the the whole thing about it, like I I'm sure that that is like you know if you're like at the the Panthers or like an NFL team that have so big social media accounts, like rule number one has to be never look at the mentions during a game. And and the reason I'm talking about this is because. I think there's so many, there's so little perspective out there in what Oklahoma did in that game and in, in, in the fact that they had four starters missing on the offensive line. And you knew, I, I mean, I knew, at least I watched that game from the perspective of, look, there's going to be some mistakes on the offensive line. There's going to be some penalties that kill big plays, uh, but you just want to keep it to a minimum. There's going to be some holds. Uh, and for the most part, that offensive line dominated physically. Now they ran for 253 yards. Like I, just that in and of itself with, you with go, a bunch okay. of people, you don't even know who they, and then Jacob Sexton gets hurt at the beginning of the game. Aaron Parks comes out there and play. If anything, it makes you think like, well, why wasn't Bill Beanbow playing those guys more yeah. during the year? Well, I mean, but then you saw like there, there were instances where they give up sacks and it felt like Dylan sure. Gabriel's under siege. Uh, you had the penalties on, you know, the penalty on Savion Bird that gets called back, which, you know, I think was probably questionable at best. But I mean, just look at the last play of the game or the last series of the game. That just showed you that that offensive line wasn't up to the task. Sure. Like, it was just too many mistakes. That drive never got started. It, it was killed. They had no chance to score in those 55 seconds or whatever sure. it was. Uh, but also I took from that game like, OK, the defensive line went up, had, went toe to toe with Florida State. And it's not like they were in the backfield all night long. No, and, and Jordan Davis, you know, got his plays with his feet that you thought he would. But at the same time, they shut down their running game. They 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 didn't allow Florida State to just go nuts. Um, you know, at least with the tailbacks. Yeah, and I th- I think that that was one of the biggest concerns going into the game was knowing that they have three running backs back there that are able to get yards. Uh, you were worried about what Jordan Travis was going to be able to do with his feet, and for the most part, they contained him. Of course, he's going to break off a couple because he's really really good. Uh, you know, I, I, we knew that Johnny Wilson was going to be a problem through the air. I just, you know, they, they had no answer for him. And especially on third and long, it's kind of become the, the theme of the season and the theme over the last four or five years for Oklahoma football defensively. You get in teams into third and long, you play really, really well for, for two downs, and then you just can't get off the field. And they found ways to pick on guys that I think, uh, you know, it's become pretty obvious, were weak links in the defense. Uh, for you know the better part of the last three four years, and you know I'm 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 glad that there's some uh, some graduation going on. I you know I think that's probably the nice way to put it. Well, and here's the biggest takeaway for me from the game is that you my fear was that Oklahoma goes in there, gets their heads kicked in, and it it continues to go into the offseason looking like a team where you question how many of these guys are really bought in, how many of the, these guys really listen to what the coaches say, and you come out of that game not saying that at all, but saying, wow, the future looks really bright on the offensive line. Uh, at running back, I mean, Gavin Sawchuck, I mean, he was good enough to where you we actually had the discussion after the game, like, 
Do you start him next year? Like, well, I just over don't understand. Like, Javante if, Barnes? And, you know, I, I think Jeff Levy said it after the game. Brent might have said it even after in his postgame stuff. It's like, how did that guy not ever get onto the field at any point this year? Like, <laughs> But when Eric Gray so, was your so best good. player. I know, I know, I, mean, I know. It just, like, how did he never figure into the rotation? I think Jeff Levy said something. You just never know how those guys are going to react until they get the opportunity. Oh, so he. Like, so sometimes people are gamers, Jeff. I mean, some people just go sometimes, out there and play well. So sometimes, I don't know. Sometimes maybe General Booty is better than the backup if if he, he might be a gamer. Is what you're saying? It it just there were no. I I don't know. And it, it, I told you this was a season review, so we might as well just go back. I mean, it's obvious that rehash there the are you know some thing. really good players within the program, but uh, you know, and I would love to see some of those guys on the defensive side of the football as well, like the Robert Spears Jennings of the world. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You give up a twenty-five yard reception to Johnny Wilson over the middle, yeah, like again point. and again and again and again. <laughs> like, well, I mean, to be fair, it was really not, one big play. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, that that the third. The third quarter drive wasn't. No. Where they just went straight down the field to know you had them in third and longs, what, repeatedly, it seemed like. It just. Well, I will I say this. I mean, like, I can't be too mad about it now that we're like four days removed, yeah. but it is what it is. Well, I mean, I, th I think the, the thing about it is, it's everything has been pretty positive since the end of the season. I mean, Woody Washington announces he's coming back. Uh, yeah, you, you have Isaiah Coe, you know, announcing he's going to come back. You got your back. best returning defensive tackle and probably your best returning cornerback, uh, uh, you know, both bought into the system. And I think it's kind of a representation of everything that, uh, you know, even somebody like a Theo Weiss, who ironically is now transferred out of the program, talked about uh, at the end of the regular season. And, you know, he stood there in Lubbock, said that everybody feels like they're bought into the program and just the way that they played. It was a spirited effort for a group that was obviously outmanned. And to yeah. see that, to see the type of passion that they played with. Or at least yeah. Yeah, like, but to see just kind of the fire that they had knowing that it was going to be extremely tough, uh, you know, from the get-go. I was talking to uh, some of the, uh, you know, guys, not like just, they're on, they're within the program before the game. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of like a, this is not going to be pretty. Like oh, I, everybody kind of just thought that this was like, not going to yeah. go good. Like they're down. That's when we found out Chris Murray wasn't going to go in the game. You're down four offensive linemen. How the hell are they going to be able to do anything offensively? And for the most part, that was an offense that looked really, really good at times. I mean, you had 496 yards. It they was need even. to find a way to get Dylan Gabriel to play in, in Orlando more often. Well, I, I think that they're, you know, I, the book might be kind of out on him. He gets into bad weather. You never know what you're going to get. But he looked really good, I yeah. thought. He Jalil, looked fantastic. Jalil I mean, Farouk looked good. Marvin Mims obviously looked great. Uh, well, that's the one question that you're left with. Like, Marvin Mims, his tweet after the game, it almost sounded like a, hey. Yeah, it seemed like a goodbye. Yeah, it was great being here. Um, but, you know, as of uh, January 2nd, today, while we're recording, he hasn't announced anything. Saw that he's down at the uh, the game down in Dallas today, the Cotton Bowl. So, uh, you know, I... So he's going to USC next. Yeah, year. that's that's the breaking news. He's going with Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> they both took Xavier Worthy's spot. It's been fun to follow here over the last couple of days, but uh, you know, it it is what it is, and they, they also, I guess, in a way, like the bigger picture out of all of this. If you would have told me that they were going to play in the same conference as a team that's playing for a national championship this year, I would have said you're crazy. I mean, what a hell of a job that 
uh, Sonny Dykes and that group did down at, uh, in Fort Worth to get them to a national championship. They And it, it probably shows you that, that OU is not that far away. I mean, like... I don't think any college football team is that far away, but I think you can also say that TCU had a interesting set of circumstances just as far as, like, you're either going to need to be filled with a five-star talent up and down the roster, mm-hmm. or you're going to need to have very, very old football teams. And TCU has a team that has a lot of experience, and they're an old football and team. And they're, they're a lot better on the defensive line than people have given sure. credit for. Sure, And I, I, mean, I think it showed on— What they on, did to uh, Michigan, yeah. to the Joe Moore Award-winning showed, offensive line— it showed on Saturday. They made them look like they, they were just a average football team yeah. running the ball. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, Brent has talked about it time and time again— about getting guys to buy into the program, getting guys that can stay around for a while. And I think that's kind of what he's angling at. And, you know, obviously you want to recruit well, and they did in the 2023 class. I think everything that, you know, has happened in the portal uh, for the most part has been positive, and it seems like it's going to continue to be positive with some of the guys that they're in on, specifically on the defensive line. And Well, uh, you see more guys, you know, from bowl teams, from good teams that are starting to enter now. So you wonder if OU doesn't, you know – find a way to kind of snatch a couple of those guys. Up. Sure. I, I, as I don't know, I guess I get kind of caught in between of this idea of, yeah, they went six and seven. Yeah. It was an incredibly disappointing finish to the it's a season. frustrating season to cover and to watch you watch though. And I don't think it's like over the top homerish to say that of the five games that they lost by one possession, including the last four of their losses that came by three points, Truly on the final possession of the game, it it's hard for me just to be completely negative about this thing. Like, you're talking about a handful of plays, and if they go a different direction, this thing could have been a lot different. But the reality is that they didn't. It, I think it was hard for fans to get, uh, get away from the TCU and Texas games, no matter yeah. what happened. But now that you have a full season and you stretch it out from beginning to end, you know... It, there was progress made. I mean, this is a team, you know, I, I mean, I know we haven't, we saw Kansas State lose, we saw Oklahoma State lose, we saw Baylor lose, we saw Oklahoma lose. Uh, Texas Tech, did they, they won. They right? won, they, they beat, beat Ole Miss. Miss. Yeah. But, you know, overall, it's a bunch of teams that are, that are really close together. OU has to figure out how to take that next step. And I think it's, you know, becoming a complimentary football team, which they weren't this year. They yeah. were the furthest possible. You even saw a little bit of it in the Florida State game. I mean, when they had prosperity, uh, you know, on defense, when they got the, what was it, the turnover, like on the 40 there, mm-hmm. uh, and the offense went three and out. Yeah. Like, you still saw a little flash. Yeah, Billy Bowman picks off a pass. Yeah, and there you was a Billy like, Bowman pickoff. It yeah. was kind of, it was almost reminiscent of the uh, – of the Texas Tech game where you get a... And then they had the turnover on downs. I think they didn't do anything with it after that. Yeah, I, specifically that turnaround right there. I think yeah. it was when they went three and out and uh, ended with the uh, the Drake Stoops pass over the middle. Okay. Wasn't that wasn't that what backed it up? We can look it up, but... You'd think we rewatched the games about 20 times by now since it's been so long. It just... It, it was kind of the story of the season. And, you know, they didn't have... It, again, it, it was one of those. It was one of those moments too. Even early in the game, where you know Gavin Sawchuck scores, tremendous highlight, tremendous run, spins out of a tackle, and it gets called back. And instead of being up, and then 21, they just go backwards, instead backwards of, and backwards. Instead and backwards. of being up twenty-one to three and really putting the foot on the throat of a Florida State team that was sputtering at the time offensively, 
you let them right back into the game. Yeah. You don't get any points out of that. Or you get uh, you get a field goal out of it, and I just it it seemed like every time, and we talked about this. I mean, shit, Kerry, we talked about it thirteen times this year. Every time that they had an opportunity to really step on the throat of a team outside of maybe the Nebraska game in Lincoln, it just never came together. And you hope that they can just build off of it. And there's going to be, you know. There's a there's a ton of guys returning next year. There's a ton of guys that are returning with experience. Uh, you just hope that they can learn some lessons from this. And you know, I, we talked to the players after the game, just as far as like you know how you know as rough as these lessons were to learn, it you have to get something out of it. You have to learn from something of of falling short. Uh, they don't need to be reminded that six and seven at Oklahoma is not going to cut it because you throw a couple of six and sevens together and. Guess what? That the staff ain't going to be around here very long, and the players aren't yeah. going to be very be here very long. Well, and it, you know the biggest interest you know that you have is one the the transfers. I mean, uh, how are those guys the the portal guys? You yeah. Know, how do they can how many of those guys can make an instant impact? And the other thing is the recruiting because it was very very good, and you know it's 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 it's, it's going to be a difficult situation. I think. I mean, Dylan Gabriel still hasn't announced anything officially. But you have to think, um, you know, they've got to be talking about some plan to to get Jackson Arnold some snaps here and there. I mean, you just it, – it, it seems to me like that is, you know, imperative in, in order to kind of get that to go from, you know, the Dylan Gabriel area to the Jackson Arnold era. I just don't think that there's any – I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I've just, like, talked myself into believing something that isn't there, but I just don't believe any circumstance where – we're going to look up and Dylan Gabriel's going to be gone. Like, I just, I don't know. I, Unless it's a transfer, which. Which, oh, I, and I, maybe this is just completely OU homerific way to look at it, but he's going to leave being the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma? Yeah. Like, I, mean, I would, just, I don't, I don't believe that. To me, if you want to go to the NFL, that's damaging to your draft stock. I, and I don't think that that's going to be Because the case. if you're an NFL GM and you're sitting in that room and you're interviewing him, you're like, Hey, you know, you were at Oklahoma that's produced, you know, two first-round draft picks and Jalen Hurts. Like, why did you leave a situation like that? Yeah, I just – and to to get drafted in, like, the sixth round? Yeah. Like, it's – I well, don't – no, but I mean, a, a year from now. Oh, if – When if, he's I see, going I through the saying. combine yeah, 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 and the yeah. interview process. Yeah, I – Like, if he's transferred somewhere else, people are like, did you run from Oklahoma? Was yeah. Was it too much for you? Was it well, too big and, for you? and – if that's the case as well, if you know, just going down that road hypothetically, it's like you so, had your own offensive coordinator there, and yeah, you didn't have the relationship, or was that relationship with Jeff Levy? Like, what happened there? Yeah, like I just don't think that that's the case. And you know, I, I think if you look at this Oklahoma offense and the way that they were able to, you know, again almost put up 500 yards with an offensive line that truly had four new starters in there, uh, Jeff Levy to a certain extent did a hell of a job just for them to be able to get to move the football. Okay. And you look at the offensive, uh, the running back situation, it seems extremely positive. I mean, you have two guys in oh. Javante Barnes and Gavis Sawchuck that, like, as freshmen, to go over 100 yards with that offensive line, they did a hell of a job. I mean, unbelievable. By the way, is Robert Griffin III already back calling a football game after his wife gave birth? I don't know. Well, I just we, saw RG3's keys to the game. Oh, is he doing the Cotton Bowl? I We've already learned that. You know, he's probably not the best family man, so we'll... Uh, Why did he say that? Well, he ruined his first marriage. Oh, my God. Fact or fact?
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is a fact. I don't know anything about Robert Griffin III's merit, marital history. I really don't. Oh, I think that he, like, uh, I'm pretty sure he ran out on him. Well, didn't Russell Wilson do the same thing? Well, it turns out that Robert or Russell Wilson not a very good person. <laughs> I think we know that as well. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, look, I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going to go on. Spring football is going to be fascinating probably. About as fast. I will say this: just with the influx of freshman carry, like I know that we were, oh. we were, and in, in the influx of just uh, grad transfer and, yeah. or not grad transfer, but transfer portal guys, uh, it is going to be exciting going into the spring to see what this thing can be in year number two under Brent Venables because uh, they left so much out there in a way this first year. I just you, you kind of wonder how many steps can be made defensively because they were awful at times this year you know what was interesting just just watching it on tv is i haven't noticed like i noticed brent venables and danny stutzman talking so much more on the sidelines during that game like almost after every series sure like it was i don't know if that became the game like okay danny this is your defense you need to start controlling everything like and he played a good game God, he, I, and that's just the thing about like the whole Danny Stutzman experience is you see some of the plays that he comes up with and he's flying all over the field. And it's just like, this is incredible. This yeah. is what everybody thought. Like this is, this is the guy just that we were doing all over the field. This yeah. is the guy that we were doing the post game show with on the way out of Lincoln, Nebraska in week three. And then there were just moments where everything disappears. I don't know. Well, and I mean, who knows what that linebacker lineup is going to look like with Jaron Canick with, you know, um, well, the I, Indiana I think kid even, coming in. I think, yeah, DeSan McCulloch. I, you know, I even think like a Shane Wider is a guy that was missed. TD Roof was a guy that, you know, I think a lot of people did, at the beginning of the season, when you find out that he has the injury, you just kind of roll your eyes and say, well, you're not really missing much. I, I think he would have been somebody that really contributed to this defense just from a leadership standpoint. And the other thing is, even though we've kind of written him off, like David Aguebu was was near the top of every statistical category and tackles the last few games yeah. like so he's well, around it. the You're, ball there's going to be people that are angry by that admission. i know but i mean go look at the stats go look at the defensive stats like the last three games uh, i think even one of the games he led the team in tackles i mean so he's around the ball more uh i'm not saying that he's perfect just like danny stutzman i yeah. mean it, that's the thing it's like year two under this defense going through spring football like is Brent going to start turning this deep? Because let's face it, I mean, don't you feel like the defense right now is better in a better place than it's been in five years? Six I want to. I want to believe that it is. Statistically, I don't think it is. But just from what you watch, and yeah. and, and just the, the 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 amount of plays where people just seem lost, yeah. like it still oh, happens. Yeah. No, it. But it just seems like th there is a little bit better grasp on what they're supposed to be doing collectively. I thought outside of a quarter uh, in the in the Cheez-It Bowl, I thought that they played really, really clean football. And, you know, outside of a couple plays there in the fourth quarter where 
you just, you know, really weren't able to get off the field. Obviously, the Johnny Wilson thing over Justin Broyles is the kind of the exclamation point on a season that became a disappointment. But at the same time, they they were able to get off the field at times. Uh, and they were able to do some really positive things. And statistically, if you look at, you know, everywhere he's basically been, uh, been with Brent, second year, those teams have made massive, massive jumps defensively. And if, you know, if they are able to do so, I think it's going to calm a lot of people's nerves here of uh, moving forward just with the whole regime. But the way that they got everybody to buy into the program and the way that was probably the lasting impact, uh, lasting statement to me was just the way that they got everybody to buy in, you know, in Orlando, knowing how outgunned, outmanned that they were going to be. It all felt like it was a positive. Yeah. Like, and I, I would love here to, you know, I'm sure that there's people that want to sit here and hear us rip on everybody, a part of the program because they went six and seven. But if you watched every snap, if you watched every, you know, game by game uh, basis this year, again, you lose five games by one possession. There was five losses by one possession. And four (laughs) of those were in the final, you know, month and a half of the season that you're literally on the field in the fourth quarter, under five minutes left. With the game in doubt. You know, the, I mean, the thing about the... Here's what the Cheez-It Bowl... I, I not like to call it, I, I call it because it's a trash cracker. I'm sorry. Now that it's over, I can say worst snack food on the planet. Good the people, Cheez-It. though. They, they were oh, all they good seem people. Like they, I mean, like, I imagine that they have turned that bowl around. It looked like... I mean, it was such a shit show back when it was the Russell sure. Athletic Bowl. Nobody cared. I thought the stadium was lovely. Did you? Like, it was a great stadium. Except for the war zone going into it. Yeah, kind of. It's not in the best part of town. <laughs> but, like, just from a, like, a working standpoint, uh-huh. awesome nice facility. Press box, yeah. I never went up to the press box. Can't say much about it. The uh, the media workroom down on the game, on the on the ground floor level, great access into in and out of the stadium. Nice. Like, it was just, nice. it was completely set up perfectly for what you needed. But, I mean, I can't even remember what I, where I was going with that. If you can, if you can remember what I was saying, that'd be great. Just as far as kind of the future of oh, this yeah, thing yeah, moving yeah. forward? Yeah. Like, the one thing I take out of that bowl game that is the biggest positive out of everything is we were getting ready to go into this offseason. Basically, I don't know why people do that on Campus Corner. This isn't the drag, folks. We should start putting out spike strips. It's like... I think that'd be fun. It literally... People think that it's cool to, like, just rip, like gun your cars on Asp Avenue. Like... This is not Duncan Highway 81, all right? It's never made there sense to me. There is no Kmart parking lot for you to, you know, go meet with your buddies and try and scam on chicks. Uh, anyway, though, the one thing that, that comes out of this game that we were all shitting bricks about during the offseason was what happens on the offensive line. How do they replace all those guys? I, I mean, I think that you, you probably... Now, I know Josh would probably say this, like, you, you probably feel like the offensive line's as talented as they've been from tackle to tackle going into next year. They're just young. Like, you're not worried about if they're going to suck or if they can capably, you know, run and, and, and pass protect. They just have to get better, more experience. Like, those guys are very capable. It feels like they should be good enough. Like, give me... And again, like, as I say it, I, I know that you're going to have to probably live with some of the mistakes there, but give me the type of effort that we saw out of Savion Bird 
a thousand percent of a thousand times. Tyler Guyton. Tyler Guyton, he's going to be a star. Like, he can be really, really, really yeah. good. Uh, and Aaron know. Parks didn't stand out as a, you know, I mean, he he barely registered. Like, he was just in there the entire time, and like yeah. you didn't see him making a bunch of mistakes. No, and, but there were there were moments, like, where they got taken advantage of. But, yeah. uh, again, Florida State has a pretty good defensive line. Like, you mm-hmm. kind of got to live with it. Uh, it. It was, you know, for the first time, too, all year, it seemed like the hurry up stuff really affected Florida State. Well, and it 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 you know they got their very first possession. They were like in third and long really quickly. Like that could have been really bad, but they completed the pass on third down. Yeah, and then they just started going. Like, yeah, and it worked from that point. But yeah, it I, that's a good point. It was the best execution of up tempo that we've seen all season. I mean, there was there were guy Florida State guys just dropping every time and I don't know how much of that was maybe just you know having been off for a month did they you know did they just kind of run out of gas there was the conditioning that bad but it seemed like it really affected them and you know it it helped to OU's advantage there for a while uh it just you know you the way that they kept responding specifically offensively I think that gives you hope because I think everybody kind of felt the same when you're when you look up in the middle of the fourth quarter and all of a sudden it's 32 to 25 you know after OU had responded and gotten that two-point conversion and kind of really ceased momentum of the game for them to put that drive back together uh was a major positive yeah uh, I mean look I think coming out of that you know you you've you've had a really good recruiting season um I think that that helps like the the recruiting thing helps soften the blow well, a little gonna, bit yeah, of how the season ended. It was going to soften ended. the blow even if they got blown out. Sure. They looked terrible. Sure. You're going to say sure. you would just you would basically throw most of this team under the bus and just say, well, all these kids are going to come in and replace them anyway, which it would never, which is not true. I mean, even if they that scenario had played out, it, you'd still no. That's not a that wouldn't have been a a silver or a cloud. A, what is it? Silver cloud? Silver lining? I don't know. Silver lining. Silver lining in the clouds. In the clouds. Okay. There you go. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it all just adds up to the fact that now Brent Venables and, and Schmitty can go in there and kick their asses in hey, the off season. But here's the deal. The crux is gone now. Like the, the excuses are kind of out of there. You're starting to get your own guys into the program. Uh, the, and even within the Florida state game, there's still stuff from a, from a managerial position that Brent Venables has to get better about. You think anybody is. Was giving them a pass in the first place? No. No, no, but you could always kind of, I think even to the most, to the biggest OU fan that like has a little sense of reality within themselves, there was always, it, it felt better people being aren't able. people on Twitter on game days. That's probably a fact. You were able to kind of fall back on this idea of, well, it's the first year. They're still working through some things. You always had that like kind of open... I guess free pass, if you will. Mm-hmm. That's gone now. Like this is there. There's no, still you things can't, within uh, you can't a game. pull out a seven and six next year if you're Brent Venables. No, and I, I mean I think you talk about people just losing their shit around here if that happens, and especially if you're losing close games because I do think that there were times throughout the game, even through uh, you know all of these one score losses, that decisions within a game can can change the outcome. And specifically from the head coach or from the assistant sure, coaches yeah. and things like that, it's like 
they're, no, they're re- still all that stuff. I mean, game management, time management. They like, got to get better. And it's it's surprising to me that even with somebody that has as much experience as a Matt Wells on the sidelines, I'm not like throwing him under the bus. I'm not trying, saying that he should have saved everything, but I don't know. I, I just was surprised that some of the some of the uh, the coaching decisions at the end of the day probably weren't the right ones. And it seemed like you know there there are things that they're going to have to get better at. I guess it's just what I'm trying to say. Well, and you know I I think the bowl game's a pretty good example too of maybe you have to take a look at what you were doing with some of your younger players, like you mentioned, Robert Spears, Jennings. Uh, you know you saw flashes from him this year. Didn't see him on the field that much. And I get it. It's your first year. You're struggling. Uh, you want to go with the guys and practice that you know are getting it done and aren't going to embarrass you, and that's probably why you play a Justin Broyles uh, over other guys. But, um, I mean, we it's it's funny to me because you see guys like Key Lawrence get a pass for bad play, but you don't see some of the freshmen be able to go through growing pains. And they got to get past that, man. I mean, you got you got to play Savion Bird more. you got to play... Uh, you know, uh, uh, Robert Spears, Jennings, you got to play. I mean, Rodney or uh, uh, Nick Anderson got a carry in that game. I mean, uh, you got to let some of those young guys. I mean, Jaden Gibson's a really good example. Like, he's another guy that I had people after the game like, so is he just not any good? It's like, well, no, he's a freshman. They just they don't play a lot of freshmen very much, and they need to give those. And look, granted, it's not like they were blowing people out this year, so they didn't have that chance, but. Man, I mean, when you ask those young guys to step up in a bowl game like that, they delivered. Yeah. And they and Gavin Sawchuk being number one. That I think that's the biggest, and I think that's the easiest thing for us to sit here and talk about is just why some of these guys didn't get more opportunities throughout the year. But then again, at the same time, they weren't really pressed into a situation where they had to be. Like, I'm not asking to take carries away from Eric Gray because we saw how awesome he right. was yeah. for, you know, 95% of the year. And then... I guess it's also easy for us to talk about, you know, it, it's easy for us to talk about how great Gavin Sawchuck was, but oh, by the way, I mean, the fumble changed the complexion of that game entirely. Sure. Yeah, sure. You know, it's easy for us to say that we loved what we saw out of Savion Bird, but his holding call changed the complexion of that game entirely. Yep. Like it, it, it's easy for us to, I guess, omit some of the stuff that but at the same are time, probably reasons why they didn't play throughout the season. At, at the same time, you have to balance that against. Yeah, how do you? How live does with, this make yeah. us better in the future? Sure, sure. By by going through some of those no I'd, problems, and I think that that it's 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 and a if lot. a guy gets hurt, like it's happened, like there were. I mean, there are plenty of times this year. I'm trying to think. Like Savion Bird started because uh, Murray was out, right? Chris mm-hmm. Murray was out. Like Chris Murray's had some you know, bang ups here and there. And I mean, all those guys, you know, obviously Andrew Rame didn't finish the season. Uh, and Wanye Mur- Morris was banged up quite a bit. Like maybe if you'd played those guys a little bit more, you could have sat those guys for a week here, or there sure. later in the season. To get and it's help. easy for us to sit here and talk about it and not have to be the ones that make the decisions on when those guys are going to go out there. Because if they, if you do go out there and they don't respond how you hope, well, yeah, it, I mean, they played, it really looks you know, like a shit show. They played our Mason Thomas, so they tried to get – and he's clearly not ready physically yet. So, right. I mean, it's not like they wouldn't play. And Robert Spears Jennings did play some. I mean, but at the same time, yeah, it, it's a balancing act. It's difficult. I get it. No, and it is. And I just – you know, I, I you would hope that you see continued growth, you know, top to bottom, up and down the, uh, the roster because it, on paper – 
it looks really, really good right now. You know, Josh is coming back from the Under Armour game. We'll catch up with him on Wednesday uh, just about what he saw. But some of the clips that we've posted and some of the stuff that we've seen just from a national perspective, Peyton Bowen looks the part. Obviously, Lewis Carter looks the part. Uh, Jackson's going to be awesome. Like, I think everybody kind of knows that. There's just things within the the program that on paper it all looks extremely, extremely positive when you are reminded, oh yeah, they did go six and seven this year. Like <laughs> for them to keep to for them just to keep the 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 class together in a way is a little bit of a win because I think it does show that they are, you know, offering a product and selling a product to people. Uh, you know, people being recruits or guys in the transfer portal that guys are buying into. Yeah, right now. You just got to get the results on Saturdays. It doesn't matter if you are turning these, you know, I know know people don't want to hear this, and I I think this is like the crazy fan take to a certain extent, but they're only going to be judged by what they do on 12, 13 Saturdays a year. It It doesn't matter if, you know, you're turning all these guys into great men, you know, if you go, if you lose three games, if you lose seven games by three points next year, it's not going to help you. Right. And that's the thing about this team. It's like, that's the thing about college football. Well, you're getting better on offense. You're getting better on defense. You got to learn how to take advantage when the opportunity presents itself. You got to have that, whatever you want to call it, killer instinct, whatever. And as they get better, I think they'll be able to do that. Like I just, I, you know, that them defensively, they went through that thing. We talked about it a lot where they got down on themselves and they just cratered. Uh, and that had been kind of the history of this defense over the last few years that they got used to it. Um, so, like, they have to move on from that. that. That They have to strengthen that mentality that if something doesn't go our way, we make it go our way. Sure. And, I, I, like, again, I, I guess the only thing that you can judge – is based off what we've seen from everything else outside of the scoreboard. And it seems like everybody's bought in. Everybody has this feeling of what the expectation should be. They're not running from them. Like, I, I think that in a weird way, if you want to feel really good about the program and really good about kind of the direction of the future, go watch the last seven minutes of the, of the Brent Venables press conference after the Cheez-It Bowl. I mean, he's – I'm not saying that, like, he was just throwing haymakers left and right. I think it was Eli and Barry Trammell that asked him questions just about, like, you know, kind of just outright the future of the program and the way that things are going. I walked out of there feeling extremely confident. Like, and again – I thought it, I thought his comments were, you know, they were very positive. Uh, but they also, it wasn't like he was slinging bullshit. I mean, no. And I like, again, it's, it's also one of those things that I don't think that Brent Venables has just forgot how to coach defense over yeah. the, over the course of the last 12 months, like his but that's resume how it always goes when it doesn't look good on the field. Everyone just assumes that you're stupid and they assume that you don't know what you're doing. Sure. Like that's just the way it is. I mean, it's just, it, that's how sports fans react. I mean, it's a Brent says this all the time. It's a it's a it's a results based, you know, business. Sure. And if you win, you're a genius. If you lose, you're the dumbest human being that's ever you know coached a football game. Right. And that's like I I fall into the same trap all the time. It's like I I you know it the way that some things shook out this year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You would think that he had 
forgotten how to coach defense at times. But that's the part about it is like there's varying different degrees of being successful. I mean, it's like you look at Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, like uh, Ryan Day at Ohio State. I mean, Lincoln Riley. These are all coaches that get their teams to the edge but can't get past the hump. And that's, you know, there's only a handful of coaches that have done that. There's uh, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney. And the list pretty much ends there in current, you know, football. Sonny Dykes, maybe. Well, he's 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 gone further than most. Yeah. I mean, I mean who would have thought further that than Lincoln was going to be the school that was going to get over Garrett has a better uh, playoff record than his brother does. It's crazy. It's crazy. 1-0 versus 0-4. Yeah. It's wild. It was a special season. But, you know, I think that we talked about this on the, on the U40 a couple times about TCU at times. At some point instead of just saying that it, they were lucky to win some of those games in the manner that they did, Gary, I think you kind of got to go, they were a really good football team. They found ways to win in multiple different ways. Yeah. And at some point, that's not a fluke. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's not a fluke that they were able to find ways to win football games. I can tell you there's already like the jealous football community that's out there. It's like, well, yeah, Sonny got him there, but it's, it's, you know, Gary Patterson left everything in the cupboard yeah. for him. And well, there's always going to be. Let's see what happens a year from now or two years from now. If he's oh, still... and don't get me wrong, like I think that in, I guess I'm a little bit of a hater in this in this manner, but I think that there were a lot of really special special things that came together for this group at TCU to be really, really good. Now, they've gotten a couple transfer portal. They, you know, mm-hmm. they get JoJo Earl, the kid from uh, Alabama by way of uh, – or from Alito by way of Alabama. It just, like, let's pump the brakes. I don't think that TCU all of a sudden is just going to be this contender year after year after year because now the pressure is going to be on to continue to do it and to continue to build their program. The thing – here's where Sonny died. Here, here's but what, if anything, it should give OU fans confidence that this thing can get turned around, yeah. right? Well, and here's the thing for TCU, and this is what Sonny Dykes will try and build, is what he did at SMU was he became a super transfer program. You know, targeted kids from the, the Texas area, the Dallas Metroplex, that they were unhappy at other schools and brought him back to SMU. He'll, do the, he'll be the same thing at, at TCU. Like, he's going to go after all Dallas area, Fort Worth area kids uh, and try and bring them to TCU, and then he can go after Houston kids and all that and say – Look, we made it to a national championship. Like who yeah. else is who else is doing that for you? Where else? Is, so he'll get some some uh, he'll get a little bit of a cachet off of that, or a little little bump off of that. But you know, it, what it comes down to for me is I think that Brent Venables knows how to build a program. Now, has he? Can he rebuild this program to where it needs to be? That's the question. And I think after you finish six and seven. You're still going to have people that question whether you're the answer or not. I mean, there's people. There's I'm sure there's someone in the next few days that'll start a thread on the board saying the same thing, and it, it, I'm sure there's probably one today that's still discussing that. But at the same time, the stuff that he talks about, the way he talks about, the way he wants to build things, 
Like, I think it's sustaining if he gets this thing to the level where it was under Bob even at the end. It's almost though, I, I, I guess there's like a question of, can it be sustained? Yes. Can it get there? I guess is probably right now when you're coming off of a six and seven season. That's the question. Yeah. It's hard to say, yes, it will get there. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, to me, that's the thing. It's the catch 22. Can he get it there? I don't know. But if he does get it there, I think it's going to stay there. Sure. And it's going to it's going to be he has a chance to turn Oklahoma into what Alabama has been, which is or or Clemson or or what now is Georgia. I mean, and of course it's different with, you know, the move that's going to come, everything that goes right, into SEC. that, like it's going to be a different animal. It just there there are elements within the program that I think people are extremely extremely excited about uh in terms of what they were able to establish if you can take away the way that they lost the seven games this year. And I know that's hard. Like, it's 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 kind of, it, I, to a certain extent, it's kind of f***ed up to think like that, right? Like, it's, it's hard to sit there and say, it, it's kind of like the national narrative out there that's on Oklahoma when everybody, you know, continues to beat this drum that everything is a positive, everything was a success in Brent Venable's first year when you look from the outside in and you go, they were six and seven. How could you sit there and say that? Yeah. How could you sit there and say that they're in a better spot today than they were 12 months ago when your record, when the, when the, when the scoreboard tells you that's not the case in a way. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I guess it's just one of those things that you have to be around it every day and you have to, you have to know where it was and where it is now. Yeah. It's kind of like, I will not miss post games uh, watching Joe Castiglio come in and not say a word and just sit there in the back and you could tell like, oh God, is he like, what's he thinking? Mm -hmm. Like, how pissed off is he? Mm -hmm. Like, this is not going well. Like, just that. If we could just get past that to where it's not so awkward, like in post game and stuff. And that's the other thing. I think that there's a lot of people that can sit there and you can say that they're excited about the direction of the program, but you can also like both can be right that there's nobody happy with how the season turned out. There's nobody happy that they went six and seven and there's nobody happy with the way that they lost some of these games to West Virginia or to Texas tech or to Baylor or to Kansas state. Like they're in all of these games. You just got to make plays. I mean, it's amazing we're talking about all this stuff, and I've got friends texting me. Um, basically saying the opposite of what we're saying. Basically complaining that USC has the 20th ranked defense and OU is 123rd. Yeah, I mean, it. it is what it it's is. Hard like, it, it's hard to avoid that stuff, yeah. But but those that's the reality of the situation. I also watched enough USC football to know this year that there were times throughout, like we watched the Utah game where they couldn't stop anybody. And there were also times when they were playing really shitty Pac-12 teams that they just happened to be in the right spot at the right time. Like, I can't tell you how many times, specifically at the beginning of the season when we were still basically hate-watching USC games late night, and they just happened to be in the right spot at the right time, and they would come up with the, you know, the most bullshit turnover of all time. It's kind of funny. It was kind of like almost karma that we didn't deserve. I mean, look, it's it's complicated. Uh, it's it's like you said, numbers. You can look up numbers, and 
I, you know, what's the uh, point per possession kind of thing that like, that's the more true measure of, you know, what a defense really is. It's not so much, you know, total rank because I mean, USC could be 20th. Yeah. Uh, did they play the type of schedule that the big 12 did? No. Yeah. I mean, if they had played TCU and Oklahoma and Texas I, tech, you know, I, I believe me, I think that the way that TCU showed on Saturday night, the way that they, you know, were prepared for the game, I, I think it's a credit to the Big 12, even though I don't think that the Big 12 was necessarily good, but I, it's much better than having to go through a gauntlet of Ari- the Arizona schools and Cal. I got to watch a little bit, rewatch of the, uh, the Alabama-Kansas State game. Like, that game started out so well for Kansas State, and it just, just, they just got their asses well, kicked. Well, once it, I, I think once Alabama kind of woke up. Yeah. And again, like, you know, I, I know that people don't want to hear this. Alabama has the best players in the country. Like, they, they play, they have the best players in the country, and they lost a game uh, that was an all time game that came down to a final kick in Knoxville. And they lost a game that they had in Baton Rouge that just didn't go their way. They didn't make enough yeah. plays in the fourth quarter to win. Or else, guess what? they're probably playing in the national championship, you know? Yeah, I mean, they would have to knock out Ohio. They would have knocked out Ohio State if they hadn't lost one of those games. But would they have just made them play Georgia again? Which, I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. That, or would they have had to play? I think the committee would know. have just made them play Georgia sure. again. And I think that they would have had a chance. Although, you know, Georgia. Ohio oh, State played a hell of a game. Ohio State played well. Ohio State was probably... They they played awful against Michigan. I was just surprised at how bad Georgia's secondary played. Yeah. And by the way, uh, longtime OU heartthrob, Keely Ringo. Love her. Well, the mom. Oh, I was thinking, <laughs> you know who I was thinking of? I, I was thinking of, uh, what's her name? The, the, the chick from uh, Keely Ringo. Sorry, my apologies. I love him too. Uh, I was thinking of uh, Kaylee Hartung. Oh, yeah. Like, well, for some reason, the, the Amazon, Amazon thing yeah. has been up here in the corner. Yeah. And I just, it immediately popped into my brain. So, my apologies. Awkward. Yeah, our, our, our it's weird. Our We have Cox television in the office, and so you can watch Amazon Thursday Night Football. They have a special channel for I guess it's for, like, bars and stuff. But, uh yeah, I like seeing Kaylee Hartung back on the side. Love Kaylee Hartung. Uh, Keely Ringo's a really good football player, though. <laughs> yes. For some reason, it he, just my mind went now, immediately I wonder, there. I remember his mom had like a cancer scare? Yeah, I think she's... I, I don't know. I don't want to say that she's okay and then she, her not be, but... Um, you know, I, speaking of, uh, Reggie Grimes did say that his grandmother got cleared. Really? Uh, I, I, he said awesome. that before we left to go to the bowl game, so that was, uh, that was good news yeah, there for the Grimes good. family. So, well, I mean, look, it was... It was an interesting season. I can't say that. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. It's like it does give you some appreciation. I know OU fans aren't going to say like I don't want, I don't need to appreciate six and seven, but you know it it shows you that it's not easy. Is it's, it's I'm sure you know, like Kansas basketball's never really had a season like this with all the Big Twelve championships they've won. But you know it it can the thing about football is just like the the playoffs this year. It can change on a dime like. Michigan seemed unbeatable going into it. Nobody talked about TCU, and now everybody's talking about TCU. I, I'm curious to see 
what that that wide receiver core looks like against that Georgia secondary because they're a little suspect. Yeah, and it you know I, I think getting Quentin Johnson back in a healthy they get, TCU kind of just limped through the back end of that schedule, and the month off really helped them get healthy. I think it's gonna be a, a really good game. I love TCU getting the thirteen and a half on Monday night, and it should. Uh, I think it's gonna be a close game, but I think Georgia has a little bit too much experience in this in this spotlight. Uh, I you know I don't think the moment's gonna be too big for some of those guys that maybe you will run into with the TCU, and uh, I don't know. Should be pretty fun though. I'm excited for it. All right. Uh, again, we apologize for uh, taking so long to get to this. Uh, young Edward, uh, I don't know if he even has a ceiling in his apartment. You, you've been besieged the, uh, over the last week. And the a half. last week was pretty incredible. I, I still have a ceiling. They haven't, we haven't gotten anything fixed over at the compound, but uh, it does suck. Like just walking into that every day. Was that the night before you left? That, that was uh, Christmas Eve Eve. It was last. It was Friday oh, night. Man. So we uh, we're still working on it. We're still working on it. <laughs> it's it's and then it's, our good friends at Southwest Airlines. And uh, then yeah, the Southwest snafu, and I think all that kind of stuff settled down. But we still got waiting home for my refund. You sons of bitches. We got home and then uh, you know ran into the uh, the OU Texas game on Saturday in basketball, which you know obviously didn't go Oklahoma's way. You lose by a point. Just kind of uh, the theme of uh, the basketball beat, if you will, that you know they had a chance to win the game. And uh, you know I, I don't know if you saw the uh, the tweet this morning. There is an the ESPN BPI does the uh, toughest remaining schedules for mm-hmm. college basketball teams in the country. The top ten. TCU, OU, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Texas, Baylor, West Virginia, <laughs> Oklahoma State. The entire Big 12 has the, the, toughest, 12 the toughest. They have the top 10 toughest schedules in the country. So buckle up. OU has a uh, number 25 Iowa State coming to Lloyd Noble Center on uh, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock tip-off. It was a great atmosphere at the Lloyd Noble Center. She was rocking for the first time in what seemed like a year uh, maybe two years. I think Porter said that was the loudest he's heard the place uh, since he's arrived at Oklahoma. So, you know, kind of is what it is. They're going to need to find a way to win some games. They're only one conference play moving forward, and uh, we'll catch up with Bob on uh, Wednesday about that when uh, we return for the U40. We will be back again this week uh, for the Unofficial 40 podcast. Josh McQuistian uh, back from Orlando, so he'll have uh, lots of information about uh, guys he talked to, a lot of OU pro- prospects uh, in that that. Uh, uh, down there that, for him to talk to. So looking forward to that. But uh, by the way, uh, final Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast of the year. Uh, just can't thank those guys enough for being our official travel partner uh, as uh, their their sponsorship of the podcast uh, means so much to us and uh, helps us do so much for you guys uh, traveling to games. And, and I think they gave us a car for just about every away game this year. I mean, Nebraska yep. – uh, you know, not not Orlando, obviously. Made some made some long treks in uh, Lexus. Not Mobiles West Virginia. This week. That was a flight this year, I guess. Yeah. yeah, Ames. That was a long drive that we made, and it they all it was great. Can't thank them enough. So, uh, young Edward might be thinking them with his uh, next car purchase. Yeah, I think I think that we uh, we're gonna start getting moving on that now that the uh, the calendars turned to January. So, uh, thanks to Ed, uh, thanks to all the guys there and uh, everything they do. Go check them out, EskridgeLexus.com. Inventory continues to uh, improve there, so they also don't get involved in the whole uh, overcharging you uh, over MSRP. 
So uh, that's, a, you know, never a better time to buy a Lexus because it's better than most cars. Uh, and they're not going to charge you over MSRP like you would if you wanted a nice new truck or something like that. Uh, so go check them out, EskridgeLexus.com. Uh, great friends of the show, great sponsor, and uh, always glad to have them on board as our official travel partner. So, uh, Eddie, it's been a great season. In, in, well, not great. It's been a season. I had a great season. I've enjoyed it. I had a great season. It didn't go well for Oklahoma football, but we had, I had uh, a great season. Officially, we have uh, two kneel downs in the end zone successful this year. Uh, yeah, and but I, I guess the only the one that counts is the one that I caught in midair, out of the air, yeah. and then kneeled it down. So I think the yeah, bounce it was should a, count. It was, a, uh, it was a positive year. I thought I did really well. And that's truly all that matters at the end of and the day. And uh, was this the first year you ever had a crowd chant happen for you? Yeah, had a crowd chant. So, yeah, it all worked out. Was that when you caught it in that, that was Yeah, that was all part of the same process, though. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that doesn't really truly technically count. All it right. was all part of the moment. Uh, but uh, don't forget sights and sounds. You can always check that out on YouTube, the uh, Florida State Edition. Worth watching. I mean, even though it was a loss, it was worth watching. A lot of good plays uh, on both sides of the ball on that one. So uh, go check us out on YouTube. Uh, it should just be uh, youtube.com slash Soonerscoop. And uh, also uh, check out SoonerScoopStore.com. Fully stocked right now. We just got uh, everything put on the shelves, uh, cleared out some boxes laying around. So everything's ready to go out the door. We had some stuff going out the door today. So uh, SoonerScoopStore.com. Appreciate you guys uh, supporting the podcast that way as well. So for Eddie, for Carrie, uh, this has been your 2022 uh, Oklahoma Sooner football season. And with that, we bid you uh, until next year. You've been listening to the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com.